Welcome to the second episode of the Soccer Block Podcast. Today we have a special episode for Women's History Month with special guests who I will be introducing in just a bit. But I'm your host, Gwendolyn Hernandez. I'm joined by my amazing co-host, Chelsea, Maria, and Ferris. How are you guys doing? I'm going to go with Chelsea first. Hello, I'm excited. I feel empowered just by the title of this podcast. We're going to be talking about women, um, so I can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts and opinions and experiences, so I'm definitely looking forward to this episode. Same. Maria? Feeling awesome, Gwen. Hope everyone is feeling great today. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I'm also excited to talk about um, our experiences and just ready to let it all out. <laughs> oh, I'm ready to hear it, then. I'm ready to hear it. Um, Ferris? Uh, yeah, I'm definitely almost as nervous as Maria. I don't know if I'm there yet, but I, I'm i really excited to hear what you guys have to say and, and hear your point of views from everything and maybe express how I can better take what we learned from this and spread it out to as many people as I can. Okay, I appreciate that, Ferris. I think that's great. We're all here to educate each other and take this into the real world and implement it. So... As we know, it's Women's History Month. Um, so I wanted to go around and ask everybody, what does Women's History Month mean to you? Um, I'll start off with Maria. You know, women's history is super important because I think it's really important to recognize and celebrate the achievements that women have contributed in society and in history, you know, in all aspects of life because it's just, it's huge because it leaves this lasting impression on just younger girls and just women to celebrate themselves, not only in March, but every day, you know? And just like in history, I, I wanted to mention, like I was reading up on like history and it says that like FIFA planned to launch this first ever women's soccer world championship in 1991, but they dubbed it the M&M's Cup because they were kind of reluctant to attach their name to, to something like this in case it flopped or it didn't do as well. So, it was only after the success of this actual event that they renamed it the Women's World Cup. So it just kind of like highlights the unfair treatment of women in soccer as opposed to men. And like based on these like kind of ideas that they had about us in general. And like, unfortunately, it kind of negatively shaped the game of soccer for us at the time. So I think there's better steps that are being taken, but I definitely think that there's going to be more work to be done. So. Yeah, that's, I honestly had no idea about that, um, that little fact you just threw out there. That, that's honestly, um, it's very disappointing to hear, but I think it's great to reflect back and see where we are now. Um, and like you said, like it's changing, it's improving. So thankfully we're taking the proper steps forward. And I, I have a lot of faith that it's just going to keep on growing and we're just going to keep on um, getting better in, in sports and in soccer in general for women. So I'm I'm extremely excited for that. Um, Ferris, I'm gonna throw it off to you. What does Women's History Month mean to you? Yeah, um, well, for me personally, I think that Women's History Month um, is just a time. And I mean, I don't really like how, I feel like we have like these, we have to have holidays or specific set days and months to commend everything like Earth Day and, and, and Women's History Month, like it doesn't have to be a month, but um, I just think it's a good time to like, to reflect back on history and, and see the evolution of, of how um, rights and just women's 
women's history in general and see the, the, the change over the long period of time and then to look back and say, okay, what needs to be done about it now and for the future? And it's a good time to start planning for change. And yeah, I mean, I think even even just listening and doing a little bit of research as an ally or or someone in that area, I think it would be good just to to look up and do some research and then say, okay, um, I now know more than I did yesterday or a couple minutes ago. What can I do with that knowledge? So for me, I mean, I think it's a good a good time to really listen and reflect upon um, the accomplishments and, and history of women. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, yeah, I think you're always, there's always room for you to educate yourself more. Um, even if you think you know everything or, you know, we think you know everything about a topic, like there's always new information to learn and to better yourself and to help other people educate themselves. And I think that we just need to continue learning um, and never stop researching, never stop trying to educate ourselves. Um, Chelsea, tell me your thoughts. Um, I agree with Marie and Ferris. I think Ferris touched upon a really good point as far as dedicating a specific day or a month to something. For example, um, February is Black History Month. And the fact that we have to dedicate a month to bring awareness to it is frustrating. And it kind of makes me super sad because maybe there's some people that only feel valued, right? The Black community might only feel valued during February because there's things that are being spoken about and then comes March. I'm not saying we forget about it, but people tend to move on and then focus on another topic. And it's like, these are conversations we should be having on a daily basis throughout the entire year. Um, so I'm proud to celebrate Women's History Month, but I think that um, while we have come very far, we still, we're still working, we're still striving to do a lot more great things as women and with the help of other women and men. I mean, like you said, like we need to support women. And I think also it's a great month to reflect. I agree that I hate that we have to have um, designated months or day because I feel like we need to bring awareness to it all year round. But it's a start, right? Like during this month, you'd be seeing shows and they do like highlights and you learn about like women's inventions or things women did that you had no idea. And you're like, whoa, I didn't know that. But like, at least I'm learning something during this month. And I think that's great. Um, and like you said, like having um, women support other women and like men even supporting women. And I just think about like my personal life of just like my mom in general. Like I, I look up to my mom as so much. Like she's such a strong woman for me. Um, you know, coming to this country with nothing. Um, and she became a nurse and she did it while raising three kids and with the support of my dad of, uh, you know, working, being the only person to work and allowing her to go to school so she can encompass the dream that he knew she had. Um, I just think that that's like super empowering to me. And anytime I see um, her go to work and especially during this time, risk her life, I just think like, I couldn't do it. And like to see her as an example, I feel like I can do anything now because of everything she's done. Um, so I think, yeah, it's great. It's great to have this moment to reflect. But moving on to having our own personal experience in sports, as I always mention, and if you have been listening to the show from the very beginning, I do not play soccer. Um, I do not have any experience playing soccer. So I'm going to ask this to Chelsea Maria, who will answer this question a lot better than I will. Um, but I know, for example, like Chelsea, 
talked about before, like playing soccer, she's been belittled being a woman playing soccer and, and playing, having to play with other guys. And I think I just, I want to talk a little bit more about that and like how you felt, how you pushed through that. Cause there has to be thousands of young girls across the country, across the world who are going through that same experience. So Chelsea, how did you handle that? How did you feel and talk a little bit about your experience with that? Um, yeah, I feel like there's a bunch of places I can start, but, um, the, like, I'll start off by talking about, like, credibil credibility, I have trouble saying that word, credibility, and, um, women in higher positions and professional positions who take the role of head coach might not have a lot of years of experience because of the fact that there's not a lot of years in women playing professional sports, right? So already there, you, you're facing a, um, like a wall where you don't have, you might have experience playing, but you don't have experience coaching because you haven't give, be, been given that experience and you basically have to prove yourself. So the reason I bring that up is because I constantly have to prove myself, right? As a woman playing in sports, you have to prove yourself that you're just as good as a guy or that you can do the same things that a guy can and maybe even better. Um, so it's a little frustrating because going to play, just being in New York City, there's not a lot of girls that I personally met that play soccer. Um, so when I would go to a pitch or a soccer field or where, whatever you wanna call it, um, to play some pickup, there's always guys. It's 97.89%. I just made that number up by the way, but it's mostly men. <laughs> Um, and I don't mind that. I like playing against men. I like being competitive. I like learning. I feel that the best way to play is against or, against people who are better than you. So whenever I would go, um, you always have to pick, you have to pick teams. So I get very like, I already know what to expect. I know they're not going to pick me because they don't know me. Um, and they're not going to pick me because I'm a girl. That's something that I unfortunately had to come into. I have to just get comfortable with with putting that into perspective and thinking that those were my two options. If my friends happened to be there, I knew I had a team secured, but if not, then long story short, I wasn't gonna get picked on a team unless they saw me play. And that's what that's my point. Like, unless they see me play and they're like, oh, okay, like I'm not saying I'm the best soccer player, but like I can kick the ball around and I can score some goals. Unless they can see that, then they're like, oh wow, like you can actually play. And just to sum up, like I'm gonna leave this story with you. I mentioned it a while back, but Usually when we play pickup, it's, I'm gonna say like nine aside, right? The field isn't that big, but it's not that small. Nine aside. And um, I happen to be the 10th person on a team. So that means one person had to be dropped from my team or another person had to be added on the opposite team. And this guy just blatantly came up, came up to me and was talking to the guy that was next to me that was organizing the team and he goes, oh no, but like you have a girl on your team. You have one more person, but like, it doesn't matter. You have a girl on your team. So I'm confrontational, but I don't like to be disrespectful. But when I felt disrespectful, disrespected, I felt that it was, I had to speak up, right? Like I wouldn't, I have the courage to speak up. People might not have the courage to speak up. So I said this for myself and maybe for future people that I hope he did not say this to that happened to be women or girls. And I told him, I was like, do I not have two feet? I was like, am I not a person? Do I not count as another person? Like I am a human being like just because I'm a girl doesn't mean that I shouldn't count on the field 
So either we drop a person or you pick one up. And he looked at me and I guess he wasn't expecting me to say something. And he was like, oh, like my fault. Like, I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't mean it in any disrespectful way. I'm like, the moment you thought that I wasn't worthy of being on the field because I was a girl was the moment that you disrespected me just by it being a thought. And he's like, oh, like, I'm so sorry. My fault. Like, yeah, like, we'll just add one person to my team. And it's like, that's just one person and just one experience. I can't even begin to ex like express or explain or imagine other experiences that other girls have gone through that might have been worse than what I went through. And those are conversations that we need to have with everyone, men and women, because we need to let this behavior not be normalized. And I feel like this behavior has been normalized. So that's why people just go about it blatantly like, oh yeah, like, oh my fault. Like, I'm sorry, like I didn't know. And I'm sure like Maria has similar experiences that she can share with um, you, but that's personally one experience that just stays in my head. And it's like, wow, like 10 versus nine, but because I'm a woman, it's okay for it to be, to be 10 versus nine. Yeah, I think um, that's just very heartbreaking to hear. I mean, unfortunately I'm not shocked. And I think that's the problem. Um, I think the other problem is for when men have the audacity to say that they're shocked when you call them out on it. And I think that's the most irritating thing because it's like the fact that you thought you can speak this and it'll be okay to say, but when you're called out on it, then you're like, whoa, like, whoa, like you don't have to come at me like that. Like that, that's, you know, I wasn't trying to be disrespectful. And it's like, but you were. And like the fact that you didn't think about it is a problem. And I, and the whole proving yourself is just so, I mean, like I said, I don't play sports, but when I was doing my degree, like I said, I don't have a lot of women in my classes. And I just remember um, just because my school is very far, I would be usually the first one in my class waiting for class to start. And I I don't want to like be a stereotype or whatever, but like I don't dress of what people think as like women in sports. Like I don't go out in like sweatpants or whatever, how there's like this this stigma that we're like tomboys. Like I don't I don't dress like that. And I remember sitting there and this guy walks into the classroom, looks at me, walks back out, looks at the number outside the room, then walks back in, stares at me. And I'm like, okay, why does he keep on doing a double take? Like, what's going on here? He looks at me and he's like, is this? And then says the sports class name. And then I look at him and I'm like, yeah, it is. He goes, oh, I'm sorry. I thought I was in the wrong classroom. Thank you. And I'm like, the fact that he walked in and saw me, he just assumed he was in the wrong classroom because of how I look. Maybe it was because I'm a woman. Maybe it's because I was dressed. I don't know. Um, but I always did feel that pressure to prove myself when I was in these classes. I felt like I had to do the work better than anyone else. I felt like I had to put that extra effort or when I'm presenting, give the most best presentation, give the most information to prove that I knew the information, even though it's like, I don't have to prove myself. Like I'm in this this major and I got into this major because I was just as good as everybody else. Um, and I just think that that's just something that I always remembered because I was like, obviously there was something there that made him second guess himself that he was in the same classroom just because he saw me, um, which is super frustrating. But um, Maria, I would love to hear your experience as well when it comes to this. I 100% like agree with you guys, like 100,000% because it's like, wow, I... I went through the same experiences like um well personally i grew up in a household where like everyone played soccer both my parents and both my brothers so i of course had like not had to play but i started playing at a young age like fourth or fifth grade in like a co-ed team and like hearing comments from guys constantly that kind of made me detest playing with guys 
because it, I don't know, they belittled not only me, but like other girls and women in soccer. And it was so distasteful. And because I was small and shy, it, like I did, I took it and I didn't really say anything back. So it was kind of like the opposite of Chelsea, but I always wanted to prove them wrong somehow. But um, uh, I didn't realize that it unconsciously put me down a lot because like uh, when I injured my ankle, I, it kind of like it, it made me quit because of the injury, but I also used that as an excuse to not return playing until like years later. But you know, it was people like like you, um, Gwen, and you, Chelsea, like speaking up for others that didn't <laughs> kind of um, inspire me to be like, well, I can do just as much. So why why do I have to take this? Like the fact that I gave them that power kind of like angers me to this day. But it's like at least now I can actually like try to empower others. So that's that's what I wanted to say, but um, but no, yeah. Also, just seeing like my friends shutting up guys by like begging them or doing tricks on the field on them, and they, like they couldn't keep up anymore. That was like like <laughs> not trying to put anyone down, but that kind of like it was awesome to see. <laughs> it was kind of funny to see, you know, like that switch. So yeah. That's crazy that you mentioned that because like when I when I said it, it was like more of like anger when I was like confronting the guy. But then now when I look back, I now that I coach, I can kind of see the different personalities. And I realize that not everyone is like me. Not everyone will speak up. And of course, there's times where I'm even intimidated myself and I kind of just like look the other way and act like I didn't hear what was said just to avoid confrontation. Um, but that's the thing, too. Like, it's so important for people who are comfortable doing certain things to be in a leading position because people look up to that whether i acknowledge it or whether i don't there's people that might appreciate me speaking up i might embarrass myself but i'm doing it not just for myself but for everyone else you know and when people are put into professional um, leadership roles or even if it's just in your working environment right like it's important that we have women and leadership roles um, so that we can have people look up to them and then be the leading example so that we can continue to have more people. Like it's a domino effect. One person starts and the rest follow. Um, but yeah, so I'm glad that you you came back, Maria, because it's not easy, right? Sometimes, and it takes a lot to admit that. You use one excuse to kind of just just give up on it and you didn't give up, you didn't let them win. Honestly, I 100% agree with Chelsea. And, and like Maria, I know it's frustrating the fact that you didn't say anything, but that's not your fault. Unfortunately, we haven't been raised to speak up for ourselves and it is unfortunate. And um, it is like hearing Chelsea's story even, like it does make me second think and be like, okay, when was there an opportunity that I could have spoken up that I didn't? Um, but now we know better. Now it's moving on. It's like we have to speak up and we have to use this experience to do that. And um, which I think what Chelsea said is like the perfect segue about women in leadership and having those roles. Um, as I mentioned earlier, today we have a special guest. She is the general manager of Sky Blue FC, which is a part of the National Women's Soccer League. She has managed big names like Carly Lloyd, Mitch Purse, who actually joined us for our city hall last year for Power the Vote. Um, give a big round of applause for Elise LaHue. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm awesome. Sun is shining. It's feeling feeling really good right now. Yes, I know. I'm like excited. We're having that little touch of spring. Um, it's going to leave us for a bit, but hopefully it comes back soon. 
Um, before I actually jump into the question, so I was like digging into your LinkedIn and I was, you know, I was doing my research and I just saw some pretty interesting facts about you that I just wanted to talk about real quick. Um, so first, you started off as the vice president of Skyblue FC in 2018 and then got promoted to general manager in 2019, which is amazing. Um, you're actually also an adjunct professor in the mm -hmm. sports department, which when I read that, I got super excited because I have a bachelor's in sport management. And during my whole time, I only had two women professors. Mm -hmm. And it kind of, I know if I would have had more women professors, it would have changed a lot because also in our classes, we only had three to five on average women in my whole classes of like 30 to 40 kids. So it was always kind of just the representation was never there. And that's one thing that I wish I did have during my college career. And um, it's just great to see that you're also providing that representation to a whole bunch of women in the sports world. Um, also, interesting fact, which I think Chelsea's gonna be excited to hear about this. You've studied abroad in Ecuador, which mm -hmm. I was very shocked to hear that. Chelsea's from Ecuador. Um, do you wanna tell us a little bit about your experience there? Chelsea, which part are you from? So my mom's from Guayaquil and my dad's from a little city outside of Cuenca. Okay, cool. I studied in Cuenca, obviously visited Guayaquil, but um, beautiful country. Absolutely amazing. I think most diverse ecosystem in the world. Fun fact on Ecuador. Um, so just the, it's just a beautiful natural landscape. But yeah, I studied there. I was studying Spanish in college and uh, economics. So I took some business classes while there and learned a bit more about economics in South America. But just, you know, my study abroad experience, it was so crucial to me. It's it's so cool to be really immersed in another culture and a place where you don't really fully speak the language. You got to you got to make your own way, be pretty independent. Um, but I had a tremendous, tremendous experience there. And Gwen, I wanted to thank you for bringing up the uh, the teaching thing. I actually there are a lot of um, women students in my class, which is really cool. But the textbooks are awful. You know, I, I've got a, and I won't say which one it is, but um, they're all just men's sports. It's like women's sports aren't really even a part of the textbook. So I really have to manufacture content for the class. And I, I imagine, and I, I don't want to speak to all male professors, but I imagine most professors aren't going to take a lot of time to, you know, manipulate the content in a way that tries to make it a bit more equitable. So I really tried to do that. And I think that it, to your point, I think it's so important for not just women students, but the male students too. They they need to know that women's sports exist, and you know it, there's a part of a, a long history of women's sports that sort of get written out of all of these textbooks, especially when we're talking about fundraising and raising revenue. So thank you for bringing that up. I think it's really important, and I hope more women will take on uh, teaching roles as well. No, yeah, of course, and like 100%. The only time we talked about women's sports really was in my sports law class, um, just talking about any lawsuits that were brought up, and of mm -hmm. course um, that class the other women in my class were absent and I was the only one in the class um coincidentally and the minute the question was raised it's like if every head just turned towards me and they just expected me to answer the question about the women's first topic which was um not the best feeling because I just feel like that's when they thought my voice should be heard but not when anything else was asked in the class which mm. was a bit frustrating um but moving into our questions that we have for you um so as a woman in soccer how do you personally make young girls and women feel empowered in the sport, in sports or in soccer in general? Yeah, I think just sort of by being in this role is the first and foremost. It's the see it, be it mechanism, right? Like if if people see me in this role, you can see yourself in it, right? So if you're a woman um, or a girl that's growing up, to be able to actually I'll even say it for professional players, 
because I've had many pro players reach out and say, hey, I've thought about being a GM and they, they'll reach out to me because I'm, to be fair, sort of the token woman GM right now in the league. Um, I'm the only one on all of the teams, which I hate that statistic so much. Um, it's, it really has to get better. But um, I think it's important just by virtue of having women in these roles so that the next generation or even other women that have always thought about it but never took the leap because they didn't see themselves in the role can look at me and realize that I don't I'm a kid from Iowa. You know, it's I don't have no no parents lifted me into this role. This is just, you know, I, I studied, I worked and became a GM. It was always a goal of mine. So if I can do it, anybody can do it. And I always say that. So I think that's really important first and foremost. But two, it's also just in giving back in as many ways as you can. I think um, I once heard somebody said, you know, when you take the elevator to the top floor, make sure you go back down and bring more people back up with you. Um, and I think that's really important. So I see myself in my role as just absolutely crucial to making myself available to whether it's, um, you know, women in college, um, other women that have always thought about working in sports. Like I really try to make myself as accessible as possible, even to men, to be honest, who are, you know, looking to be allies. I've actually had a lot of people recently reach out to me about how can I be a better ally? How can I better support women in sports? Um, how can I be better for my daughter um, to provide her more outlets? So. I think just making myself as accessible as possible um, to be able to talk through the processes and how I went through it. Um, that's what I do to be able to give back. That's honestly so incredible. And I think it's very refreshing to have um, people like you in such high positions, which is a perfect segue um, into this next question of, if you were in charge for FIFA for a month, uh, what would you implement to give more equal opportunities for women and young girls and also just to grow the game of soccer in general. As we know, it's not so popular in the United States and we want to keep on growing the game. So what would you do? Yeah, I would just start with funding. We need funding to funnel into a lot of, especially more what I would call um, developing countries. And I say developing only in the sense of women's football, that they're so under-resourced. You know, I, I'm sitting here now and I constantly look to Central and South America. And I think there's such a talent pipeline of girls in, in football that just are not... They don't have the resources. The national teams aren't as funded in the way that they should be. So I think it would start with a very simple one of we need funding in these programs. We're probably losing a lot of really talented um, international players that have the ability and just don't have the, the outlet for it. So funding and um, honestly, more women in charge of those programs, because um, I think to have the funding, you also need it funneled in the right ways. So I'd love to see more women leaders around a lot of these federations around the world to be able to say, yeah, we need to be more equitable and provide more resources and funding to our women's programs. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, for your point to center on South America, for example, like I'm from, my parents are from El Salvador and we don't really have a women's team. Mm -hmm. So there's no national team for me to look to, to represent, to um, give awareness to. So I always love when I see other um, Hispanic women's team like representing, even though like, of course, I always root for the US women's national team, um, just being just being my home, but I just always love seeing them play. And, and it's just like, I get excited about how, how much the game is growing there. And I hope that other countries continue to create some women's teams so we can have more representation. But um, I personally do not play soccer. And for next question, I'm going to leave it to Maria, Chelsea, and you, Elise, to answer this question for me. Um, what, how, how do you let women be more empowered when you're playing soccer, for example? Like, 
Um, is there an athlete you looked up to or is there a person you looked up to to help you become more empowered to play soccer? Um, I'm going to go to Chelsea with this one first. So um, similar to many of you, um, whether it's in college as a professor or a coach in, on the field, I didn't personally grow up being coached by women. So to me, it was always a man, which I didn't say anything wrong with it. Honest to God, I was like, okay, like, yeah, like this is, this is how it's supposed to be. Like the guy knows what he's doing. So he's going to coach me. Didn't think anything of it. Um, and then we had an assistant coach. Her name was Fabiola. And I remember her because to me, it was kind of weird. I felt like, uh, like an assistant coach, like as a woman, like, I don't know. I grew up with the idea that it was always going to be a man. And then um, she, I look up to her because I was 14. I started playing soccer when I was 12. I didn't know much about it. Um, and she told me that it was okay to fail. The standard that my coach had at the time was I had to be the best. I had to do everything the right way. But she allowed me to be okay with failing and learning that that's how I'm going to grow and how I'm going to be better. So it was kind of a constant battle between, okay, who do I listen to? Do I listen to my coach who knows what he's doing in my head? Or do I listen to the assistant coach who's telling me that it's okay to fail and do things incorrectly the first time as long as I continue to strive to do better? So that's when I realized like, wow, like, okay, maybe maybe I should listen to the assistant coach. And it sucks that I thought that way because in my head, I thought the man had more I would say credibility, cred, I can't say that word, credibility, credibility. But in that moment is when I realized, I was like, no, like just because she's a woman doesn't mean that she's less credible. Um, and I was 14, so I really didn't know much. I still don't know a lot. But it was in that moment that I realized like, no, man or woman, like if I resonate and I connect to what is being said, it doesn't matter where it comes from, you know? And I, and I hate that. I'm probably not the only one that thought that way. Oh no. And like some, some guys, some girls think that way. Oh no, I have to listen to the guy because he knows what he's doing. This is a sport that's male dominated. So he must know like this woman might not know as much. Um, but yeah, shout out to Fabiola. Um, she's awesome. And she coaches basketball now, but yeah, she definitely made a difference in my soccer at the beginning of my soccer career. Well, now she's going to be impacting other, hopefully, young girls in basketball to, to continue pursuing that sport. Uh, Maria? Yeah, so uh, similar with Chelsea, actually, I really relate to her a lot. And I agree with what she said, where, um, like, growing up, um, well, my coach was my dad. So it was more, like, personal. And he would, like, kind of, like, expect me to always be, like, on top of it and really good. And, well, I think I, similar to Chelsea, I gave too much power to some guys and some men because they would kind of like always say like oh well you're a girl you can't play with us or you can't keep up and it's like I the fact that I listen to them kind of you know it's like damn that's kind of lame but you know for me like I guess mine uh my the people that I look up to are more personal to me also and for me those people are coach Lily, my coach Lily and coach Omu um I think because they're always there to like kind of cheer me on when playing soccer and they didn't really judge when someone was starting soccer or where their skill level was and they were really like very encouraging um and I've always kind of even just personally like pulled me aside to talk if I needed it so it was never like oh you can't do it it was more like you can do it and you will do it like you know so 
That's amazing. I think that's super great. And shout out to the women of CITC. Um, they are constantly inspiring young girls from all ages, even when it's like peer mentorship. Someone who's my age can inspire me from CITC because everybody there is so incredible. At least, how about you? Yeah, I, I actually just wanted to comment. I, I think some of those um, prejudices sort of against women coaches actually still permeate. Even I, I see it amongst even professional players, professional women players, because they've been coached by men their whole lives that almost when a woman steps in, it's kind of get a little skeptical. And a lot of the times, I think a lot of women coaches, even at the, the highest level, you know, haven't always had the the longest professional pathway because we haven't had women's professional leagues that long. So it's hard to find a women's pro coach that's coached professionally for a long time. It doesn't exist because we haven't had leagues that long. So I think there can be a lot of prejudices even against, you know, women coaches at the highest level. And it's a hard thing to get over. And I think a lot of players don't even realize the biases they have. Um, so that's been something that, you know, for me is crucially important to have women at the highest levels in the pro game. And, and um, you know, on another stat that I hate at Sky Blue, we have the only woman head coach in the league. Um, that's that's just not good enough. We of our four coaches, three are women. Um, that's a statistic that doesn't exist anywhere else in the league. Um, so we're very unique in that regard. Um, but I don't want to be unique. You know, this shouldn't be it shouldn't necessarily be like this. But I just wanted to comment on that since, um, you know, uh, you guys had both mentioned, um, you know, having a woman coach and how you kind of had your own biases around that. And it, unfortunately, I see it even at the highest level. For me, I was coached by men. I even played with boys all the way through high school. First time I ever played with an all-girls team was in college. So I'm a little older than you guys. Just a, just a reminder to all the folks out there. So I think for me, you know, I, I never really had women coaches. So for me, the, the folks I looked up to in the women's game were actually other general managers. And that was later once I got to my career working in, so in soccer. There were other women general managers at the time, one on the team I was on, and she really became my mentor and still is a dear friend to today. But there was other women general managers in the league. It's ironic to think there was more, you know, over a decade ago than there are now. Um, but those were some of the women that I looked up to. And um, the U.S. Women's National Team had a woman GM back then as well. So those were some of the women that I looked up to personally um, and saw inspiration because I could see myself in them as women doing this role. That's incredible. And, and you bring a good point about being unique but not wanting to. I mean, shout out to Sky Blue for, like, leading the way. And, and I hope more teams take that lead and they become more diverse um, when it comes to their position. But you're right. I mean, I hate how shocked I am when I see like a women's ref and I'm like, like, you know, oh, my God, like, that's incredible. But it's like I shouldn't be shocked. Like the fact that I am shocked, it's, it's also frustrating at the same time. But I guess we do need to go through this period to then open the doors for us to not be so shocked and it to just be a norm. So I hope that we do get to that mm -hmm. point sooner than later. <laughs> but we will see how that goes. As we mentioned earlier, we want to make sure we're educating and we're continuing to implement this in our real life. So I know Ferris had a question for you, Elise. So Ferris, if you want to ask your question for Elise, you can now. Yes, hi Elise. I know you briefly like touched upon him when other other males um, would reach out to you and, and ask you this, but I wanted to ask you this personally. How can men and boys be better allies for women? Yeah, thank you for asking that question. Um, I like to approach it kind of from different angles. I think if we're talking to the men that are at the top, you know, the executives, the owners, et cetera, they have to hire women. I mean, there, there's no excuse. There's really no excuse um, for, for all the positions on their teams and their clubs and their staffs. Hire women. 
you know, there's, there's qualified women out there and we need to give them opportunities. Um, but at the same time, the odds of finding a man that's more qualified is probably greater because they're the ones in the positions. So if we can't get the jobs, we're never going to be as qualified to be able to get the next job. So it kind of becomes a catch 22. So to the men that are in charge and in the lead and have the opportunities to hire, look to women, hire women and be diverse about it. Um, I would say for, for others or, or those men that might not be in those types of positions, you know, sort of recognize the spaces that you're within. And I even feel sometimes this way as a white woman in spaces, let the other people in the room speak, give them space to speak and, and make sure if you've got an opportunity to call out somebody else to speak and be quiet and listen, do that, do that for them. If you've got that platform, um, if you're going to be on a panel, make sure that you demand that it, it has diversity on the panel, especially for men. There's so many panels out there that are just men across the board. If you're one of the men that gets asked on there, ask who else is going to be on it and say, okay, that's nice, but I would recommend so-and-so. And, you know, even for myself, I did it recently. I got asked to to be highlighted and I looked at it and I was like, no, I'm the wrong person. You need, no, you need to ask so-and-so. Um, and I kind of got ignored after that, but I didn't do it. I didn't go on. And it would have been a great platform for me to go on. I would have gotten a lot of visibility, but I think that's how we all show up. So I, I especially say so for men, just look at the room around you, allow women the space to speak, try to pass the mic to them and, and give them that platform. I think that's super, super powerful when you can take those spaces. And then, you know, recognize that women, especially women in sports, get a lot of abuse online. Sometimes there's just spaces where you could step in and be a good ally um, to that process and provide your support to it. So I'd say those were, those are some, some good spaces. Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> I just feel like that was just such an inspiring, um, answer and I, I think it's 100% true and yeah even as women we need to support each other and like you said take a step back and um, even if it might make us miss an opportunity but if someone else is better equipped then yeah they should definitely step in. Um, to end on a positive note um, Elise what is your what moment in women's soccer are you most proud of? I know we talked about it's pretty short history um, hasn't been around um, professionally for too long, but what was your uh, most proud moment? Yeah, it's hard to probably pick out one, but I'll, I'll do one related to Sky Blue. So I took over in 2019. I think I was put as GM, I think three days before the first game of the season. So this was just like trial by fire, good luck, have fun type of thing, you know, and didn't have any time to plan that season. It was just inheriting the situation, which was a very challenging situation, by the way. Um, but by the end of that year, I think by August and September, um, you know, we had moved a couple of our games to Red Bull Arena and had the opportunity to play there. And those were our two um, highest attended games in the club's history um, on those back to back games. And I, I think that first one, especially when I just stepped out there, when you saw the fans were so excited and the players showed up in the venue and they were taking pictures the minute they showed up for the game. And it was just really, really heartwarming because that's what women professional athletes deserve is that type of space with that type of support in that type of environment. So I think that was a very emotional days for me um, because we had come such a long way in just a few short months. And to me, it was really proving that there's a space for, for women's pro sports and that if you provide the right environment, the fans will come, the players will be really excited about it. We can treat them like full professionals. So um, yeah, those are my two probably big, big sky blue moments that I'm, that I'm proud of. I love that. Yeah. I remember <laughs> I'm going into 2020 and I was like, this is the year I'm going to go to a Sky Blue game. 
and of course we all know how that ended up um it's just so it's just a comma things. it's a pause yeah it's just i was just like okay we'll try again next year so we'll see how this year goes <laughs> um hopefully i mean i know they are going to be letting um fans into the game so this looks like 2021 will be the year but um leading on with sky blue a proud moment last year you guys um revealed your lightning strike primary kit and other merch in june 20 um 25th and in hours everything sold out and i know because i saw the video and i went to go buy some merch and it was sold out so i was very disappointed with the fact that i wasn't able to get it but it was incredible you guys did a record in sky blue of selling out in hours and i think that that was just something that's super incredible i remember seeing everyone on twitter um going crazy about it um people who got actual merchandise were bragging about it and i was a little jealous um but it was also a very great moment um to see that because i think that it's very deserving women need to be um promoted more they need to be uplifted more and it's great to see that slowly but surely um women's soccer is getting the recognition and i just hope that it continues to grow but I appreciate you joining us. Um, this has been incredible. You have inspired me. I feel pumped. I feel like I need to do more now in space and and take all that we learned today and just keep on pushing and 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 uplifting women in general and especially in sports. So thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, no, thank you so much. And thanks for mentioning the merch. That was our our biggest sales day in club history and we sold out really quick and on one hand you're kind of like oh crap like we, we should have doubled that order right you know because there were so many people left hanging so it was kind of like you know you you want the fans to be happy but that was it was yeah. such a dramatic increase from any other day we had ever had merchandise wise that we just were not ready and that was even for me yeah. that's been around forever i was like oh no how did we miss this like how did we not <laughs> not know this was going to be so popular so we're not going to make that mistake again. There's going to be jerseys available. I'm really excited about our kit this year. Um, we're going to have plenty available. Make sure everybody can buy them because I know that's a source of contention for a lot of people is that it's hard to get women's sports merch and I don't want to be a part of that problem. Yeah. So we're fixing it moving forward. So thank you for having okay. me on. It's it's great to see all of you guys. I appreciate it. Great. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> see you guys. Um, so CITC has a whole bunch of amazing programs. Um, anywhere from Robo Soccer to uh, Youth Leadership Council to um, SNL. And Chelsea, for example, is a, a coach. Um, she's done soccer block, she's done multiple programs, um, after school programs, including Robo Soccer. She's basically done it all. And um, I would like to know, Chelsea, like, how did you feel being a coach at CATC? And, you know, knowing that you had that leadership role that young girls who are participants are going to look up to you and be like, oh, I have a woman coach, like, this is great. And then they're, you're basically making that become a norm for them because they're seeing it for so, from such a young age. So how do you feel like being a CITC coach and, and all that? In the beginning, it was definitely something different from like for me because I mentioned that I didn't have women coaches growing up. So being a woman coach was like, whoa, like time out, like, it was it was pretty awesome but it was also like okay i feel like i have a like a huge responsibility and because i haven't seen it bit, like be done by someone personally in my life um i didn't want to do things the wrong way but i thought it was also important to do things the way that i felt was most genuine to myself so like i mentioned earlier also i through coaching i realized that there's a lot of personalities right 
Um, and you realize that in life as well, like your friends or your work environment, there's a lot of personalities. So I made it my mission to just make the girls that I coached confident, right? Like I would, we would be coaching and there would be guys and I wouldn't want them to also feel like they were had to compete with men. I just wanted to be so like, I wanted them to be so secure with themselves that whether it was a guy or a girl that they had to compete against, they were sure of themselves and they didn't look at women or men as being different, but just based off of your skill, right? So it was a huge responsibility, but I think I owe it a lot to the people that I work with. So the people, uh, as far as like my bosses, they put so much trust and um, they, they gave me the courage that I didn't know that I had. Um, so I definitely think that it's, the the idea of like when you're running in a race and someone passing you the baton that's kind of what it felt like someone was passing me the baton um and i was being allowed the privilege i would say i think it's a privilege to work with kids and i also think it's a privilege to be seen as a role model um so allowing like knowing that prospero paul like all the other citc coaches were so welcoming and were so willing to help knowing that i was not only a new coach, but a new woman coach, um, definitely helped me grow as a person and as a coach. So shout out to everyone in CITC, um, women and men, they definitely um, make a difference and are very inspiring people. So thank you to all you guys. Yeah, I, I honestly agree. And I think I've had, um, I've had the pleasure to work with Chelsea um, very closely in a lot of different projects um, in CITC. I mean, we've coached robo soccer together. Um, we've done pilot programs um, where last year during the beginning of the pandemic, we had a girls um, club where we taught just girls how to code and, and how to do robo soccer. And it was amazing because it was like us three women coaches with Vanessa and everyone in our in our class was um, little girls too. And it was just like, it was just so great because you can tell that they felt more comfortable talking to us and you're exactly right it's like from having that encouragement from the top um for example like prospero kwame who just continued to push us um and make sure that we do have these opportunities and if we are feeling a little nervous about something or if we're um having a little bit of doubt it's just great people to go talk to and and to push you and and to give you those equal opportunities and i just think that that's important to have and it's and and having women role models is, is incredible but i think that also shows that men can be role models if they're if they keep on encouraging women to do what they got to do like it doesn't have to be a woman it could be um anybody and i and i completely agree with you and i've learned a lot from chelsea um she's made me more confident when i'm coaching robo soccer or anything like she just i just feel more comfortable because i see how amazing she is doing it um but moving on to SNL, which is Saturday Night Lights program. So Maria, I want you to talk about your experience um, being in SNL and like, how does that feel? Like, um, when did you start going to SNL? And like, how's, how, how much do you love it? Um, just love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, so um, I believe I started going to SNL around 2015. I was like a sophomore in high school, I believe, but um, no, yeah. Um, well, I had heard about SNL from my cousins and my brothers because they were already going, but I was kind of like still 
so-so about going because it was around the time still around my like hiatus quote unquote and it was kind of like I, I don't know whether I should go but I mustered up the courage and I went and when I saw that they offered both girls and boys like soccer I was like really relieved because <laughs> it's like I don't know I just didn't like playing with guys it's just like all that I went through kind of made me hate it but um actually like playing there for years it kind of made me more confident and I was like later I was able to play with guys and I wasn't really afraid anymore of what they thought of me or how I played like it was more so like now if they said something I would be able to shut those people up on the field instead you know so I think that was <laughs> that was awesome but um I don't know like just going and like like coaches like Chelsea are just like you went and coach for me was coach Lily and uh, she would be like she would push me to talk to people and to be like oh hey like there's this new person let me introduce you to them you go talk to them right and like I didn't realize it at the time but she would kind of like seeing my place I was kind of this goofy person that talked to everyone and she would make me talk to them and like kind of um, make them feel welcome and I didn't realize it but I didn't see how much it actually like made them want to come back and it made them feel welcome. And I saw like how impactful it was to be just a leader, even as just a player by including people and going up to talk to them. And like, um, I don't know, I think that always kept, kept them coming back. And it was kind of inspirational to see like those same girls coming up to me and like telling me about their day. And it was just like simple things like that kind of made my day too. Like, oh, I can be that person for them like to come up to like just from playing soccer at SNL. So it does have like a really big impact on like people in the community. So, yeah. That's really incredible to hear. And I, um, I feel like this, this episode has just been so inspiring and it's like, um, just hearing all these experiences, I'm like, let me not get emotional about it, but it's just so great to hear because it's like, you never know how much something can impact a person and it can be the smallest things. and. Um, I think Maria's right, like having these experiences are great. And um, you might not know it, but it could be your peer, it can be a coach that really changes your life. Um, and it's just, it's just incredible to see. And I think that's what CITC is all about. No matter what you do in CITC, you have those moments. So Ferris, before the pandemic, you were lucky enough to be able to go to France um, and actually, you know, travel and go on a plane and like, that's just something that I know we're all missing right now. Um, so you went to France during the Women's World Cup in 2019 and to do a Festival 19, which is about equality um, in women's sports. Um, so I would love to hear about your experience in that and like what you learned and um, how that festival really impact you. Yeah, so I definitely was very, very lucky and fortunate enough to be able to be a part of it. Um, I remember when we all met up with another group um, from SBU. So it was a, a lot of different countries and, and some states in the United States. I think there was only three in one. We were called like, a, a, we were all put into groups. And so our group in New York specifically was a combination of, of me and Kimberly, who's also a part of this podcast group um, from SNL, as well as four girls from South Bronx United. Um, and it felt it felt really, really, I would say, 
nervous, nerve wracking at first, just because like being surrounded by by uh, by women for the first time, it's it's not something I'm I'm used to, and it was a, a first time thing. So when we all went together and we landed and in France, and we went straight away into um, getting used to all the rules and regulations, I was like, wow, like this is really really prepared and. and I already had the feeling that we're gonna do and accomplish a lot. And so we had, um, I know that the festival was really built around uh, education and just trying to teach. And it was very inclusive of everybody, especially it wasn't just um, teaching you how to respect each other, but also how to be inclusive of people who also may have disabilities as well as um, people who face injustice such as um, women. And we had these workshops set up where we would participate in these activities to really put us in the mindset of other people um, and really put us into other people's shoes. And so that was really like an eye-opening feeling, especially when you got to see people from other countries. And for them, this wasn't something that they they were used to. And, and just see, like kind of being able to just at least admire and respect someone else from a different country and, and how their struggles is not going to be the same as you are over here, especially, I would say in the United States, we are making a bit more of a lead on women in sports than other countries. I definitely saw that when, when I was over there. Um, and we really made sure that education was a big part of it. So as soon as we got back, um, I know that the, uh, us as a group, and we spoke in collaboration with SBU. We did a lot. We did a festival back here to make sure that we took what we learned and it didn't go to waste. We taught what we learned and used some of the activities actually that we we participated in and brought it over here in um, near the field at Yankee Stadium. And we did a big workshop with people around the neighborhood and got a lot of women to participate. And I was really, really glad to see that everyone was able to just take what we learned and be informed, even though they weren't necessarily a part of Festival 19 as we were. So I'm really grateful for the opportunity and that I was able to at least spread the knowledge that I learned from the workshop into other people. Yeah, it's incredible. Thank you for sharing that. And um, I'll be lying if I didn't say I was a little jealous. Um, the fact you went to France and um we're able to experience that before the whole world shut down so that um is really great um so yeah so let's go into our final thoughts of the episode for our final thoughts i'm gonna go to chelsea first what are your final thoughts uh my final thoughts are just that i'm truly inspired to one work with the people that i do um women and men because i feel that they have given me an amazing pathway to feel and learn my my courage, my responsibilities, and also just paint this pathway where I know I'm I'm eligible and I'm capable of doing so many things. And it's not because I'm a woman and it's not because I'm not a woman. You know what I mean? It's because I've been giving the tools, I've been giving the experiences, I've been given the educational lessons um, to do so. And I think that that's something that we need to start putting into perspective 
like remove the label of, oh, it's because you're a woman. Oh, it's because you're a man. And make it more about, no, it's because you're qualified. It's because you've been given the opportunities to gain these experiences. You've been given the tools. And I, yeah, I'm just very hopeful to see what the future holds. And I'm excited to work with more women. I think that the more women come together um, to lead through whether it's like Elise, who is a general manager, right? She mentioned that she doesn't want to be unique in that aspect. And I think that's an important message, not being unique in certain aspects because there needs to be more women. And if you're unique in that aspect, then that means there's not a lot of women. So there's something wrong there. And Sky Blue is doing an amazing job at saying like, listen, like everyone keep up, you know, like get on track and allow more women to be bosses. And yeah, that's, those are my final thoughts. Uh, Maria? I don't know, like I just hearing you guys' um, experiences, um, it was really inspirational and it kind of made me feel visible because obviously I saw that you, Chelsea and Gwen, you know, you guys can relate well, I can relate to you guys, and um, I'm like super grateful for seeing how our experiences and these opportunities can help us, as opposed to hinder us and try to help other women and uplift them, not only just in soccer, but also just in the world. So it's really awesome. I love this this episode as well. It was very awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Maria. I don't know why every time Maria. Um, I just want to get emotional. Like every time she's saying stuff, I'm like holding back tears. Um, Cause I, I just, yeah. Cause it's just, I don't know. I just love this episode. Yeah. I think it was a great conversation. Um, Ferris, what are your final thoughts? Yeah. I'm just really grateful that we ha have a platform for you guys to be able to speak and me just sitting here and listening to you guys' experiences. I wouldn't say it's, it's something that's shocking to me as, as you said, Gwen, like, I also think that's also a problem just, just because like I feel like I've seen it a lot happening that it's not something that's surprising me anymore, but that should be fixed. And I'm glad that we have a start and we're, you guys are making a big change and promoting and speaking out for our viewers to hear. And hopefully this gets spread around a lot and that we all can take a part of this and do with do with what we can with the message that you guys get. Yeah, it's great. Thanks, Ferris. And I agree. Um, but you know, you're an important you're an important part in this too, because I mean hearing these experiences and like um Elise told you earlier, um, you need to step up and also speak up when you can for women as well and 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 bring awareness to it. And you know, we're all in this together and it's not just women's job to fight for women equality. We also need men to help us as well. So um, I appreciate you listening. And there goes my dog in the background, guys, of course. But yeah, so um, I really appreciate you listening and um, also putting in your insight. And I hope that you can take this on in the real world and just share with a whole bunch of people. But um, my final thoughts, which Chelsea kind of like triggered in my head and she like a light bulb went on when she said this, when she was talking about what you said earlier. And I think it's true. The fact that she's unique is a problem. Um, the sky blue is unique as a whole is a problem. And one thing that she mentioned that's super important, she said, even as a white woman, um, she needs to take a step back and she needs to realize like who else is at the table. Um, and I think that's very important to to acknowledge that, of course, women of color, we even have 
more of a ladder to climb and we have more obstacles in front of us. Um, and I think it's important for women in general to acknowledge that, for men to acknowledge that. Um, not use that as an excuse of that I can't do something, but also use that and, and acknowledge that so that you can help um, provide those opportunities because there's just so many roadblocks. And I think that that was very important that she said, and I'm happy she brought that up because I don't think that's spoken about um, as much. And the fact that she acknowledged that is incredible. And I really hope that this episode just opens that conversation and makes people reflect and evaluate how their table looks at their company, at their team, whatever it is. And they just make those changes because it's long overdue. So that's how I feel about this episode. And I just want to thank everyone for joining us. Thank you for listening to episode two. And I hope you learned something. And I just want to say thank you. And we'll see you next time. Or I guess you'll hear us next time in the next episode of Soccer Block.